0: My name is Steph Fetter and I am our Community Impact and Operations Director. Today I have the honor of kicking us off in our next sermon series, Through a Gospel Lens. Let's pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for this opportunity that we have to be together, to hear your word, to learn, to be moved by your Holy Spirit, and to worship you. We pray, Lord, that you prepare our hearts and our minds for the words that you have for us, Lord, we pray that you would be moving through me, Lord, that these are not my words, but your words, and when they hit the ears of all of us who are listening and desiring to hear um, what you have for us today, Lord, that you would change them for exactly what we need to hear, that you would give us a next step, that you would clear the way from the things that are keeping us from being active participants in your kingdom. In your name, amen. So just a few weeks ago, I was having a conversation with our very own Adobe. And if you don't know Adobe, she actually preached last week. And if you haven't listened, I highly recommend you go and check it out. And she is our operations coordinator. So we both work in operations, we work very closely together. And every week we have a one on one conversation. And a couple weeks ago, she had just had cataract surgery. So if you know what a cataract is, and if you don't, a cataract is something that forms in your eye or on your lens over time, it becomes cloudy. And so think about it, if I were to take a quarter and scratch out the lens of the camera that you are viewing me through right now. JD just cringed a little bit, he's giving me the (laughs) note. As a photographer, I feel the same way, that is not something you wanna do. What would happen? You wouldn't be able to see me very clearly, right? And if I were to take that same quarter and just do one little scratch per day, it really wouldn't be that bad. But after maybe 30 days, you'd start to notice, or a year, maybe even 10. You see, that's how cataracts form. It's a slow, gradual clouding of a person's lens. And so Adobe had gone to a routine eye exam, and to her surprise, her doctor was like, we need to get these out. You need to have cataract surgery on both of your eyes. In cataract surgery, it's pretty simple, essentially, in comparison. They go in, they remove your lens, and they replace it with a perfectly clear artificial lens. It's an in and out, morning of sort of surgery. And so she and I were talking the day after. And as you can imagine, I was like, how are you feeling? How are you seeing? And she goes on to tell me this story about how that night, the night after her surgery, she was watching anime with the kiddos. And she um, noticed that there was this character. And I can't remember from the story whether it was an actual character that was like talking and moving or if it was words on the screen. But she said, she asked her kids, has that always been there? and they kind of just gave her the side eye like, yeah, mom, and they just kept watching the show. But she's sitting there in awe of all the things she hadn't been seeing until she had her surgery and received a new lens. And so we're talking about this, we're laughing about it, and as you maybe can imagine, if you know either one of us or both of us, the conversation very quickly went spiritual. You see, we had been planning for these sermons, her preaching last week, me this week, and we had just read First and Second Corinthians, and here we find ourselves in an actual lens-clearing story. As the video taught us just a moment ago, the book of First Corinthians is a letter written to the church that's living in the city of Corinth, and it's written by the Apostle Paul. And the overarching idea is that we as believers and followers of Jesus are called to live our lives through a gospel lens, that this lens um, is the saving work of Jesus Christ, and it empowers us to live out a life to be more like him. And so, like Adobe's cataract, which was clouding her view and keeping her from being able to physically see the world around her, so too does our sin and our brokenness cloud our ability to see the things in our own world. Right? I mean, doesn't that kind of make sense? There's things going on inside of us that keep us from really seeing what's maybe going on. And so, as long as we can't see, we're not going to see. And sometimes we just need some help bringing clarity. For Adobe, that meant an actual surgery so that she could see the world around her as God intended. And for us, that means that we need the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal within us what needs to change in our own hearts. You see, we can't love our neighbors without the power of the Holy Spirit to help us make that actually happen. And it is this gospel lens that helps us see what God intended all along. And so before we dig into our scripture today, let's revisit a little bit of the historical context of this book. The first Corinthians and 2 Corinthians are letters that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. The church of Corinth is estimated to be at this time about 40 to 150 people, which is actually a pretty big spectrum, but think like a general mill city service. So it's not that big. And Paul, um, he lived there with them. In terms of location, Corinth is located about an hour or so west of Athens, if you took a car ride, modern day Greece. Corinth was a large port city. So it sort of sat on this piece of land that was had water on either sides, different seas. And so people were constantly docking and taking their stuff you know, on carts and things to the other sea. So there was constant activity. It was a hub of ideas and thoughts. It also had a lot of diversity, financial, social, ethnic. And the church looked. The same. The video also tells, or the video, and if you read the book, tells us that the Corinthian church also struggled a little bit. They were really struggling to truly follow in the way of Jesus, a lot like the rest of us do today. And so Paul's letter to the Corinthians is really a redirecting and a guiding of the church because he so deeply cares about them. We're going to open up into 1 Corinthians. Chapter 4 verses 14 through 20. If you have a Bible, if you have the Bible app, pull that up. We will also have the scripture on the screen as I read. These are his words that he has written to this church. Starting in chapter 4 at verse 14. I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians, you do you have You do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Some of you have become arrogant, as if I were not going to come to you. But I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Something important for us to understand here is that Paul sees the Corinthian church as like his baby. These are his kids. If you are a teacher, I used to be a teacher. I commonly would refer to my students as my kids. If you're a parent, if you're a mentor, if you've ever mentored anyone, think about what it's like to spend tons of time teaching, discipling, mentoring those people, and then to see that they're not maybe living out what you'd hoped for them, or what you taught them. And so here he is, he'd lived in Corinth for a year and a half with these people, planting this church, he left to go plant another church, and now he's getting word that they're struggling. And not only that, they're fighting. He goes on to say, 10,000 guardians is not the same as a parent and I am actually your father in Christ. Listen to me. He's juxtaposing himself with this parental language, guardians meaning paid childcare workers. So you might have 10,000 paid childcare workers who care about you or friends or whoever, but that is not the same as a parent. Please listen to me. The most loving thing I can do right now is going to be telling you these hard things. So he goes on to write this letter. So return to me, or return with me. He says he's sending Timothy to help them in the meantime. So he's clearly kind of like, I can't get there right away, but this guy I trust, and you need some help. So I'm going to send Timothy, my son, and he is going to help you out until I can get there. And when I get there, look out, because some of you have become arrogant as if you were not coming to you. But I will come very soon if the Lord is willing, and then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking but what power they have for the kingdom of god is not a matter of talk but of power right like he means business but it's out of his love paul has heard that the church is divided they're they're preaching this false gospel story uh that's rooted in deeds and accomplishments and they're fighting over theologies and different thoughts and intellect and and they and their different lifestyles. And so Paul is reminding the church in this moment that it's not about that. It's about the power that we have all been given through Jesus' death on the cross and the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And we if we continue to try to think or will or debate our way into being more like Christ or proving why we are, we're missing the point. It's actually impossible. And in fact, our arrogance is keeping us from asking for the help we really need from the Holy Spirit to do that exact thing. And so another thing to point out in this moment is that in this context, Paul's not saying words don't matter, the content of our faith doesn't matter, good theology doesn't matter. He's trying to point out the fact that y'all need to focus on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit because that's what changes our lives. That's what transforms us. That's what makes us people who look like Christ and who would even be interested in learning a little bit more about why we do what we do, why we believe what we believe. And I bet a lot of us could come up with like a handful of examples of where we have felt like the Corinthian church members, right? Like this is real life. It's not easy to do. We all fall short. And I bet We can also think of many examples where we were living in a circumstance or experience where we really needed the Holy Spirit's help, and without him and without his guidance or wisdom, we wouldn't have made it through. The last couple of months have given us a lot of opportunities to ask the question, how are we going to do this? Right in the midst of civil unrest, how do I talk to my kids? How do I have conversations with parents who maybe just don't get it about the importance of racial reconciliation. In the face of uncertainty, and we have had a lot of that, and <laughs> who knows what's coming next in 2020, how do we keep ourselves from fearing so much that we're not you know, like, we're not able to be present in the moment, healthy, present people? And a very real one as well, how do we as people who have been quarantining either alone or with the same people for a long time, (laughs) Live, live with kindness and patience. It's impossible. And we can maybe do it for a little while, but we get tired and we get irritated and we get afraid. We need God's help. Paul said, the kingdom of God is not of word, but of power. And we can say we want to love our neighbors and do all these things, And we can even talk about ways to do that and come up with strategies and game plans, but we need his help to actually put it into action. And that's what he's saying. Like the story of Adobe's cataracts being removed so she could physically see the world around her, how also have we in the last few months maybe been seeing for the first time the cataracts we have on our own hearts? Lenses by which we view ourselves or the world that God never intended for us, but we default to anyway. The gospel lens helps us to see as God would see, but it comes with some requirements. The first one being, we have to acknowledge our brokenness. And number two, we have to accept his forgiveness. And then three, we have to receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit so that we can take a next step. In every moment of every day, we have the choice to choose whether or not we're going to put on a gospel lens or a lens that maybe feels a little more comfortable to us. One of the things I think about, like when you go to the eye doctor, I wear contacts, but I've had glasses since like third grade. And I, I don't know about you, but whenever I go, I'm always a little nervous, like, oh my gosh, if I say the wrong thing, I'm going to end up with the wrong prescription of my glasses. <laughs> and so they're giving you all these options, like, is side A or side B clear? And you're like, oh my gosh, they look the same. I don't, I don't want to mess this up. And so think about it, like, which lenses are we choosing? Because they're clear enough. They're fine. They serve our purpose. They benefit us. Here are maybe some examples. The I need to be better lens. If I'm just better, things will be okay. I know I fall into that a lot. But really, that lens keeps us in our shame. Or the I just need to work harder lens. I just pull myself up by my bootstraps and I pull the three-day all-nighter and I work, work, work and achieve, achieve, achieve. I'll be liked. I'll be good. I'll be happy with myself. And that keeps us in sort of the same spiral, right? Proving ourselves to ourselves or to other people. Our personal favorite, the rose-colored glasses lens of it'll be fine, right? It'll be fine, it's all great, things are fine. Or the, well, that's not my responsibility, that doesn't affect me lens, where we abdicate our place in a system that very much does include us. And maybe none of these resonate with you. That's okay. You know yourself better than me. I just named four that I know I struggle with. And I know a lot of you. And I know you struggle, too. (laughs) But how have you been seeing and what has been revealed to you in this difficult season that we are all across the globe living together right now? And to help us discern that. We're gonna spend some time right here, right now, in meditation. I'm gonna ask you three questions, and don't freak out, you don't need to write these down right now. They'll come back up on the screen. We're We're gonna spend some time in reflection thinking about, how have you been seeing the world? How has this time brought clarity to your heart? And what lens do you need to trade in for a gospel lens? During this time, I'm going to encourage you, if you're someone that likes to journal, or you like to take notes in your phone, get ready. Grab a piece of paper, get your journal, find a pen or pencil, take out your phone, and write down what comes to you. If you're someone that just needs quiet, find a comfortable space, close your eyes, hold out your hands in sort of a symbol of surrendering and receiving, and just pay attention as I ask these questions. We're gonna go one at a time. I'm gonna give you about, third. for those of you who like a plan, 30 to 45 seconds before I say something else. Do the three questions, I'll pray for us, and then I just have a few closing comments before we transition. So join me. Question one. How have I been seeing the world in and around me? How has this time brought clarity to my heart? What lens do I need to trade in for a gospel lens? Lord, we ask that you give us a gospel lens and that you, that we may receive your power to overcome and take a next step. We thank you for our lo- for your love and your kindness and we know that you are good and that you want our best. Help us to believe and grow our faith. Help us to love our neighbors as ourselves and that you would make us more like you. Amen. Thanks for doing that with me. And I realize that that was also a really short amount of time. And so I encourage you this week, carve out time during your day to think about these three questions, to think about the things that are coming up inside of you as we watch the world around us. And when we say bring us clarity, we don't necessarily mean, I have my life plan. I know what's next, even though I know a lot of us would like that. But the clarity of what inside of us needs to change, what parts of our character is coming up that is not of Jesus, With the gospel lens and the power of God, here are some examples that maybe you came up with. And maybe you'll hear some of these and be like, oh, that's what I needed to hear. You might be able to really start to learn about your racial or cultural bias and not get defensive. Maybe you'll be able to genuinely be more patient with the people that you live with. Maybe you'll even be able to sleep better at night because you won't be overcome with as much fear or anxiety about the next day. And maybe, maybe you'll be able to be more free and able to experience the life around us with joy because you're not so bogged down with having to have things your way or in your time. As we worship, or we transition into a time of worship in just a second, let this time be a reminder that we cannot love our neighbors without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to help us do that. As we lean into being active participants in the kingdom of God, let's remember that it can't just be about talk.